My name is Julie Putnick. Welcome to The Garden Podcast. The Garden is a monthly gathering for women at Advent Church where we grow together in the Word, in worship, and in wonder of Jesus. It's a place where women of all ages encourage support and fellowship with each other as we grow together in faith. Today's podcast is a bonus episode recorded at our live Sunday worship services at Advent on October 10th. As the men of our church gathered for a much-needed retreat, the women of the garden took over the worship services. This is a message on worry that Susan Hagen and I shared. In it, we talk about how we as Christians are called to approach the worry and anxieties we all face in our lives. Listen in. Let's look at the scripture that is before us today, another piece of continuing today with the Sermon on the Mount and another section for us to chew on today. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not, the, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was, was not dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Mm. So in this tradition of the pastor's Sermon on the Mount series, we're seated, much like all the pictures, except for, of course, the one that's on the screen right over there right now. Uh, Jesus is normally seated, and as, as that was kind of a, um, a teaching posture back in the day. And so that's why they have been sitting all series long, and we're grateful to be sitting, too. Yes, exactly. And um, we're really grateful to the pastors. Um, uh, as we read through the scripture today, um, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, you know, thank you pastors for handing us this very easy text today. Um, when, I, when I read this passage, I think of when I'm rushing around um, the house, getting ready to go somewhere, packing up my briefcase for work or something like that, and Andy very helpfully tells me, relax. And I think I feel the opposite of relaxed right now when you say that. Um, and it doesn't feel particularly helpful. Have you ever had somebody give you that kind of helpful advice as you're 
stressed, or maybe they've given you some advice like this. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm... Uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! New word, IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> it is. Then stop it. I, I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, no, child. No. <laughs> so, super helpful advice there from Bob Newhart, our old um, psychiatrist from what the seventies? How long ago that was? Um, I can't believe she even sat through three minutes of that. Uh, she came in for help with her worries, which were real to her, and he did the stop it thing. It's funny, but it's not. We all have worries, and they're real to us. Um, and what we need is somebody to listen to us, not tell us to stop it. I want to examine why we tend to worry and what some of those underlying beliefs are um, that are associated with the worry. One thing that some, sometimes we believe is that worrying shows that I'm a caring person. And if you believe this, you might think, I worry about my family because I love and care about them. And people know me as the worrier, the one who worries and cares for people. Or you might believe that worrying helps me to solve problems. Uh, and that belief would, meet, would include, when I worry about my problems, I'm more likely to solve them. Or you might believe that worrying motivates you. If you believe this, you might say to yourself, worrying about being a good mother motivates me to read more parenting books. Or you might believe worrying protects me from feeling badly later. If you believe this, then you probably think that worrying better prepares you for a catastrophe, 
Like, if you worry about bad things now, you won't be so upset when the bad things happen later. Or you might think that worrying prevents bad things from happening. If you have this belief, like my, my, little, um, my little girl, who's not really a little girl, is pregnant right now, so she could say, everything is going well with the pregnancy because I constantly worry about my maternity care. And if I didn't worry about it, um, I would do so many things wrong and um, might not be so healthy. Can you see what, how what we believe influences how we act and then how we act can reinforce what we believe so if you're worried that this message on worry will simply tell you to stop it or don't worry um, I would say to you I'm a professional really a professional therapist and a professional worrier myself any other professional worriers in the house today? Can I see a show of hands? Amateur worriers, aspiring professional worry. Anybody? Okay, mm -hmm. there we go. But what we're going to do is together we're going to explore the scripture and the truth and the power of what Jesus is sharing here, so that you can believe um, in what will motivate you to not worry and embrace the kingdom living that Jesus is describing. Amen. This part of the scripture that we're talking about today begins with the word therefore, and that's always a big stop sign to me. And it, what it's saying is that we should stop and ask of the text, what is the therefore, therefore? therefore. In Matthew 6, Jesus is referencing what preceded this passage, a description of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. We all live in the world, but as Jesus said, be in the world, but not of the world. As he said, he's inviting us to live in the kingdom of God, which is God's world that is moving its way into ours until it takes over. I spent the beginning of this week in the kingdom of Atlanta um, with my our daughter Amanda who lives in the city and she's she and her roommate um, are getting ready to move to um, a new apartment which meant we needed to tour new apartments which meant we saw 10 apartment complexes in two days that was a lot of apartment complexes the more we toured the more I kept hearing the same thing over again from the great tour guides, leasing agents, whatever they're called in each place. And they all were eager to tell us about the amenities and the great amenities each apartment building had. And it started me thinking about this message and this passage of scripture, because I, I feel like Jesus is giving us a tour of the kingdom. And he's pointing out all the amenities to us <laughs> and saying, this is a beautiful place to live. This is a beautiful way to live. Those who follow Jesus get glimpses and tastes of the kingdom and its amenities all the time. We walk by faith through a broken world confident that God's kingdom will be repaired. We suffer, but we know that all is going to be renewed. We experience injustice, but rejoice because God is the one who can make things right. Mm -hmm. Sounds like heaven? Mm -hmm. Yes. It is heaven. It's heaven on earth until the day earth and heaven are one. When you stop and think about it, the statements in the Sermon on the Mount make no sense in our world. 
and why should they? After all, who wants to spend eternity in this world? Mm -hmm. Jesus' statements, on the other hand, make perfect sense in the kingdom of God. Of course, the poor in spirit are blessed. Of course, they matter to God. We obviously should forgive our enemies. Let God, the just judge, judge them in his time. There are no requirements to come up with an eloquently worded prayer, but rather that simple prayer that God gives us a recipe for in to pray, our Father, our Dad. So in this portion of scripture, Jesus is telling us about the kingdom, right? And the amenities, and he invites us to let worry go. Now what strikes me first about this part, besides the therefore, is that he recognizes and just acknowledges that we worry, that we as humans worry. What a comfort, what a blessing to know that we have a God who sees and hears what weighs heavy on our hearts and minds on a regular basis. What a comfort to know that the God of the universe is in control. If we want his will be to be done as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, then we try to trust that will as it unfolds. We don't sit around necessarily just waiting for that to happen. We can act faithfully and wisely knowing that whatever happens, God is with us. God's will is perfect because God is the God of infinite knowledge. He created us and he cares for us. He knows what has gone behind us and he knows what's coming before us. His will is perfect. Our will, not so perfect. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why Jesus keeps inviting us into kingdom living so we can let go of worry and enjoy the amenities of living under the rooftop of God's unwavering love for you. Amen. And as we examine the context of the scripture, we need to ask ourselves, who is this invitation to not worry coming from? This isn't from our spouse or our boss or politician or some friend. Um, they may mean well, but they can't actually do things to take our worry away. This invitation is coming from Jesus. Jesus, the one who left heaven behind to come to our rescue. Jesus, the one born in a stable, laid in a manger. Jesus, who called fishermen and tax collectors and even women to follow him. Jesus, who healed lepers forgave adulterers, Jesus who calmed the wind and the waves, Jesus who knew the way to salvation was through the cross and died willingly, Jesus the one who rose and lives again. Only Jesus checks that trustworthy box. He can say it with total confidence and he can make it possible for us to not worry if we trust him. He'll carry us through whatever river we have to cross, over any mountain that we have to climb. I, I had the privilege of going with Freedom Challenge to participate in a women's conference in Bangladesh. I was asked to do two things. First, to um, share in a teaching 
on 2 Corinthians 5.17, which is, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And this meant that I was going to teach 60 to 75 women who spoke Bengali <laughs> uh, using an interpreter. And number two, I was asked to provide trauma uh, therapy services to women who came to the conference. And this was done one-on-one -on -one with an interpreter. And quite honestly, I was willing to uh, teach that group of 75 women who spoke Bengali all day long. <laughs> but the thought that I had something to offer these women who had experienced such terrible hardships in private one-on-one -on -one sessions scared me. I was not only worried, friends, I felt inadequate to the task, but knowing that Jesus had called me to it and that he would see me through it and knowing that he was trustworthy in the calling that he had given me, I walked into each session and worked with the women who came to me only through the power of the Holy Spirit and I saw many women who had burdens eased. Especially I'm thinking of one of the women who actually was one of the interpreters, so that made my life a little easier because it was English and English. And she came and shared a burden um, during our work together. And she moved from crying and feeling overwhelmed to the spirit lifting her with laughter to the point of belly laughter. And she left our time together expressing hope. When Jesus says to us, look, this is how our Heavenly Father will take care of you. Ask yourself, is this invitation to hand over my worries given by somebody trustworthy? Can you believe who said it? My answer is yes. The saying that we use in therapy is, worry is the waste of a good imagination. There are so many possibilities that you can creatively imagine. Why spend your imagination on worry? Jesus, the trustworthy one, tells us how to deal with the worry. We're going to creep back into scripture so that that message that he has for us can go into our heart and into our head. So we have this idea of kingdom living given to us by the authority of Jesus. So how do we deal with worry in the kingdom of God? We have four thoughts for you on this. The first is to overcome worry and focus on eternal matters instead of temporary ones. In this scripture, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body and what you will wear. Is there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Jesus isn't telling us that we can't dress nicely and eat well, but he is saying that we as humans have a tendency to focus on and even become obsessive about things like this. We might spend too much time dressing for other people's opinion. We might be too concerned about going to the trendiest restaurant after church this morning. Again, Jesus isn't telling we can't have a great meal or look nice. He is saying, don't make getting dressed up or creating an Instagram-worthy meal the main purpose of our lives. We should, what should be the main purpose of our lives is focusing on things that last forever. 
Colossians 3 says this, Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. So to overcome worry, we shift our focus to eternal matters, like becoming holy. I didn't say boring. I said holy. It doesn't have to be boring. Sharing the gospel with others, growing in Christ, joining in the work of the kingdom here in our community, encouraging others, feeding your faith on a regular basis, discipling someone close to you. The stuff of this world, keeping up in this culture, that breeds anxiety. You know that if you look at Facebook or Instagram at all. Focusing on the amenities in the kingdom of God, that's the stuff that's important for eternity and what delivers us from those worries and brings peace. Many of you know that my mom passed away this summer. And when she moved back to Boca last year, after having lived with my sister in New Hampshire for several years, it was a amazing opportunity for me to spend time with her again, even though dementia robbed her of pretty much all her memories. I spent almost every afternoon with her. Mm. The time was such an important lesson for me in slowing down the pace of my life in order to sit with her and just be present. Creating the margin for that time was a challenge. But, the great, but greater than the challenge was the gift that it gave me and her, I think. Mm. It was an opportunity to focus on something every day that had eternal significance. We talked about the love between us, um, between our family, and we talked a lot about the love of God. She had this painting in her room that we um, actually had used at the garden, and it was... Um, based on the scripture in John 15, and she asked about it every day. And so every day we talked about the fact the scripture says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And we talked about abiding in God every single day. It became such precious time to me that sometimes I find myself a little lost and longing for those hours of the day now mm. that they're gone. Yeah, focusing on eternal matters fills our minds and our hearts, just like you shared, with the hour and the hours of our earthly life with worry, no, with kingdom living. So, point number two, to overcome worry, we focus on our Father's providential care. Look back into the scripture, Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-six. Jesus says, look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. The action of the birds to feed themselves remind us that we're still responsible. I mean, they still have to go out and gather what he's provided. But he's, not com he's commanding us to not worry, not to be lazy or complacent. It's good to work. However, Jesus is teaching us to trust as we understand God's providential care for us. In thinking about the birds, I remember walks that Andy and I would take in Chicago in the wintertime. And the leaves would be off the um, bushes and the trees, yet 
tucked into um, the bushes would be berries all around. Now, the birds were smart enough to have flown south for the winter, but the bunnies and the other animals that were there were still being cared for by their Heavenly Father, our sweet Heavenly Father who thought out the way to feed them in all seasons. One of the first evenings that I was so lucky to be able to babysit for my grandson, Mason, Andy and I arrived extra early, um, and we walked through the bedtime steps with Adam and Amanda. Um, quite honestly, I, I, I'm overwhelmed by how well um, my son is doing with putting his child to bed and helping him to sleep through the night because that child did not sleep for about the first two years that he was in my life. But anyway, not that I feel bitter about that, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I had been there before when they put him to bed and he's got this whole routine and he takes his bath and he gets, um, he gets read to and given, he's zipped into a sleep sack, who knew? Um, and fed his bottle, and he just drifts right off to sleep. Well, that night that I got to babysit, it all went according to plan, except he didn't quite drift right off to sleep. Um, my happy little grandson was actually rather fussy, and I guess I just wasn't the right person <laughs> to uh, be in the arms of before going to sleep. He finally fell asleep with lots of singing and rocking, and then he woke up. And, and I rocked him, and he sang to him, and he went back to sleep, and then he woke up. And then I rocked him and sang to him, and then he woke up. And I knew that those new parents were probably watching that little video camera that's right over the crib, and they knew that boy wasn't sleeping. <laughs> and here's the thing. It didn't matter how many times that my sweet boy woke up, I was going to be there, and not because it was my job as the babysitter, but because I adore him. God is our Father doing the same thing for us, only better. He knows what we need. Amen. So here's another thought. To overcome worry, recognize your great value to God. One cause of worry is when we don't feel like we matter to anybody. We feel worried that something from the past leaves us feeling ignored or left out or left behind. The child worries that they won't get picked up after school, that there won't be anything left for dinner when they get home. The teen might worry not seeing a parent's face in the stands of a sporting event. A wife might worry or a husband might worry at midnight that their spouse doesn't remember the anniversary. We worry because if we aren't valued by someone else. But look what Jesus says in our scripture today. Look at the birds of the sky again. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? Notice that Jesus doesn't remind us that the birds Father provide, like Susan said, the heavenly Father fed cared enough to feed them. The evidence is all around us, Jesus points out. It is as obvious as the well-fed birds and the flowers. God cares for his creation, of which you and I are the most valuable parts. God calls us his sons 
and daughters. He calls us in Romans 8, co-heirs with Christ. God sees you. Mm. You matter to God. Jesus doesn't promise us our wants, even though sometimes we worry because we lack our wants. God promises to provide our needs. So a great amount of worry happens because we don't understand how much we're valued by God. Again, Romans 8 says it again. If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all things. How will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? If God has his best for us, his one and only son, how will he not also provide everything else we need? You are of supreme value to God. God gave everything for us, and he continues to give because it's who he is. It's his nature. The God who needs nothing from us supplies all that we need Mm. because he values you and me. Here's our last point. To overcome worry, focus on God's grace for today. So the end of the scripture says again, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. I know this seems like Bob Newhart again, saying stop it. After all, it's now the third time that Jesus says do not worry. But this time he gives us another completely different reason why he wants us to be free of it. Jesus says today we will have trouble. The fact that Jesus calls us not to worry is not based on the fact that believers are exempt from hardship. Mm. We have no such promise. Scripture tells us that in this world we will have trouble and suffering. This is a broken, sin-filled world we live in. We will hurt people and people will hurt us. However, in the middle of it all, in the middle of the trouble and the hardships and the hurt, God promises to give us grace for the day, grace for this present day. Lamentations 3 says, and you know this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. As we wake up in the morning and seek his face, grace is distributed as the Israelites in the wilderness only received enough bread for the day Mm. in the form of the manna that rained down from God from heaven, God often does the same with us. He gives us grace for the step that we're on today, not necessarily the next 10 or 20 or 100. Grace for the day. So this begs the question, if God is limitless in his provision, Why does he only provide us grace for the day and not for tomorrow and the next day? Mm -hmm. The reason is because God desires us to be dependent on him rather than independent of him. Mm -hmm. Receive that. I need to hear this again. Come on. God desires for us to be dependent on him rather than independent of him. If he provided grace for the week, we'd probably neglect him till next week. If he provided grace for the year, 
we would neglect until next year, all to our own detriment. God always provides grace for the day. It is when we bear the burden of the next day that it becomes too much. George MacDonald said, no man ever sank under the burden of the day. It is when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than man can bear. Mm. You know the thing that people say that makes you feel as lousy as Bob Newhart, stop it? You know the line. God nev never gives you more than you can handle. Mm. Well, mm -hmm. let me tell you, that is not true. We regularly get more than we can handle. Right. But the truth is this. It is never, ever more than God can handle. He always gives us enough. He always gives us grace for this day. So how should we overcome our worries? How should we let go of worry? Live in the day. Mm. Take advantage of the grace God gives you to be faithful today. You've got a trial in your family. Do the best to love your family today. today. Don't worry about how to love them tomorrow. You've got a difficult boss you're dealing with. Honor and serve him today. today. You've got a big concern on your mind. Talk to God about it today, today as much as you talk to your friend about it. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. That's good advice. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 20 years ago, good friends of Andy and mine got in a tragic car accident. And some of you Advent old timers um, may remember because we were at Joyful Spirit in Chicago at the time. And we sent out prayers across the globe. And um, Jeannie Buttram kept up praying for them just forever. Anyway, my girlfriend, Kristen, was badly injured in the accident. And after four years of living in rehab and nursing facilities, she went home to the Lord. I could tell you stories of the beautiful hand of God through so many things that happened following that accident. They are amazing stories, so corner me sometime because I will share them with you. But what I want to share with you is that my friend Kristen blessed me before the accident in a way that I didn't know until afterward. And that blessing sustained me. And I hope that it blesses you because it's about God's grace for today. Before the accident, Kristen and her husband Todd went through a transition with work. And um, Kristen had left her job to stay home with their uh, little children. And not long after Kristen had left her job, Todd's company downsized and he lost his job. And I sent Kristen an email because 20 years ago we didn't text. So I sent her an email and she responded to me with an email that I still have to this day. I had to print it out because I, have, I no longer have the email address even. And she told me that she appreciated that I was joining with her in prayer over what may come next, but that she was happy and content blessed to have time to be with her family and the friends that she loved. Kristen was practicing kingdom living. One day, not long after that, we were sitting on a Saturday morning Bible study in my family room on the floor, because in Chicago, I don't know why we sit on the floor. 
and we're sitting around the family room and we were talking about a friend in our group who had a prayer cons who had, we had been praying for and she had been cured of cancer. And I remember, I can see Kristen's face and she was saying to all of us, you know, God's grace is the same. For those of us who are cured of cancer and those of us who are not, his grace is the same. His loving, saving grace is the same. Kristen knew the truth of the kingdom. She knew God's grace for today. She lived in it. She accepted the invitation that her Heavenly Father offered her. Will you? In the tradition of the garden, where we work to make our teachings tangible and experienced, I'm gonna invite you to take a moment. Don't worry, haha. -ha. Um, I'm gonna watch the clock for us, so it's just gonna be two minutes. And I want you to imagine, eyes opened or closed, up to you, being in that beautiful field of grass and flowers that Jesus talks about, so beautiful, it's more beautiful than the adornments of Solomon. And if I'm imagining it, I have to add a mountain and a stream. And I want you to know that this amazing place crafted by your heavenly father pales in comparison to how he sees you. I want you to hear how he sees you from his word. He says, you were chosen before the foundation of the world. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are, in fact, his workmanship. He plans for a future and a hope for you. He knows you down to the number of hairs on your head. He knows your temptations and will provide endurance. You are filled with love because he first loved you. You overcome because Christ will strengthen you. He has filled you with power, love, and self-control. He loves you so much that he sent his son to bring you into his kingdom. Now I want you to imagine something that you've been worrying about. As if you can see it. And I want you to imagine it shrinking, shrinking, shrinking down so small it fits into the palm of your hand. And we're gonna put it inside like a balloon so magically stretch that balloon over that worry. Fill it with helium, tie it off and hand it over to your heavenly father because this is the kingdom that we live in when the most trustworthy, loving, caring, forgiving, heavenly parent that we could imagine has offered to take our worries and provide for us what we need as we pursue the greater challenges that he has in store for us to share in the beauty of his kingdom living with others. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had together in your presence, studying your word. Amen. <laughs>